You're listening to Pondering the Bible, a deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 8, Episode 19, and as always, we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, we get rain. We finally got some rain. It's been a long time since we had some rain. It made it for a wet entrance into the church tonight to re- record the podcast. Everything's bigger in Texas, and when we break a drought, we break it big time. <laughs> <laughs> but it is good. We've needed the rain for some time, so yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. I drive by Louisville Lake on the way to and from work, and I look at just watching it uh-huh. go lower and lower. I'm like, ooh, we really need some rain. <laughs> it didn't look like it made up that much this morning, but at least there's some coming down now. Yeah, it's coming down hard. Yeah. So, Okay. What are we covering tonight? We are finishing our trip through Ephesians, so we only have four verses left to cover, chapter 6, verses 21 through 24, uh, and then I thought we'd look at some of the highlights from from the book of Ephesians. Outstanding. Okay, so go ahead and give us the reading, and then we'll take it from there. Chapter 6, verses 21 through 24, and as it is most times, doesn't really matter what translation you're reading from, they are all going to be incredibly similar. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what's probably the most, what, what's important about this last final greeting from Paul to Ephesus? I think one of the things that's really easy to overlook when you go through these uh, is in that verse 21, in the very first verse, where he talks about a man named Tychicus. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be easy to, to just sort of overlook that and get to what Paul's talking about. There was no post office in Paul's time. You didn't right. go down and mail a letter. So if you're writing letters to churches, you don't FedEx them or UPS <laughs> them. You have to have a personal courier that you trust deliver any written correspondence. And throughout the New Testament, Tychicus is Paul's post office. Ah. He's the guy who delivers the letters of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Titus, 1st and 2nd Timothy. It seems to me like there's one more. I'm, I'm forgetting right off the top of my head, but a huge chunk of our New Testament would not exist if there wasn't a guy named Tychicus who was willing to spend a huge chunk of his life on the road carrying letters from Paul to wounded and broken churches. And and as Paul says here tonight, he also then explains in greater detail some of the things Paul doesn't want to write about hmm. but wants churches to know. So Tychicus is, is authorized to give more detail and more information on Paul's life and on Paul's messages. So, you know, we all know that, that Silas and Barnabas and uh, Timothy and Titus were really important men to Paul. 
But if you, if you look through from the book of Acts on, Tychicus pops up frequently as going and doing so that the rest of us might know. He's a, he's a big deal. Man, he gets around too. <laughs> yeah. And yet I'm going to guess that if you ask the vast majority of, of Christians, uh, do you recognize the name Tychicus? They'd be like, nah, don't know him. I might say, I've heard of it, but I don't, I couldn't put it in context. Can't tell you yeah. when, can't tell yeah. you where, but can't I've tell heard you the why. name before. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> he's poor dude. <laughs> he's, he's remembered forever, but yeah, <laughs> but not for necessarily <laughs> what he did. <laughs> you know, and, and so after Tychicus, then we move into what, what is Paul actually saying here at the end? Tychicus is authorized to tell people how he's doing. And, and the Greek for that, is very positive and very affirming. Paul is almost certainly in the last month of his life, and mm-hmm. he knows that. And one of the things he does is start to get rid of the men who have been supporting him. I think he's fearful that after he's executed... They're going to round them all up as, yeah. as cohorts or associates yes. of Paul, and therefore, yeah, we better just put them down too so that he doesn't continue his work even with these guys. So if you look through the prison epistles, at the end of each one, Paul starts sending away the men who have been helping him, who've been providing for him, who've been encouraging him, so that he's going to be essentially alone at the end. There's only one exception to that. We know he sends for Timothy. Right. Timothy, he calls my beloved son, and he asks him to come and visit me here in prison. It's it's the end. I don't know how much longer I've got. Bring my coat, because prison is really cold in the winter. Yeah, I'm not sure it's built for <laughs> comfort yeah. for anybody. And and that's everybody else gets sent away. Timothy is summoned there, and we don't know if Timothy made it or not. Yeah. If he got there before Paul was executed. In the meantime, Paul is sending out with everyone that he that he sends away a very positive and encouraging report. Yeah, I'm in jail. Yeah, I'm gonna die, but I'm going to heaven. Right. I know my my future is certain, and I hope the rest of you are are that confident as well. And he he writes that to us here, you know. So he sends out Tychicus to to tell people the good things we are doing, and and like I said, written in very positive words. And then he gives a very traditional, well, a Pauline traditional <laughs> benediction. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you love and faithfulness, right. which is if you're being persecuted, those are the two things you've got to have. You've got to know that God loves you in spite of the persecution you're going through, and you've got to have the faithfulness to endure mm-hmm. the persecution you're going through. So what he wishes for the people is the same thing that he wants for himself. And then, may God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus. Peace and grace are usually at the beginning of every one of Paul's letters. But in Ephesians, his last letter, they're at the end. Hmm. Okay, so that's kind of the farewell, friends. I think it is. He knows, yeah. Yeah. He knows he's not going to get out of this one. Yeah. (laughs) Get my guy your way out of this prison. (laughs) Okay. So with that, I guess we'll close this episode. That's the end of the book. Yep. Good short one tonight. (laughs) (laughs) We're at eight minutes. We just passed eight minutes. (laughs) So, okay. So we thought we would kind of maybe summarize the book. Yeah. This is one that I've read before, but I've learned a lot going through it. This time I've learned a lot of different perspectives on the book or the letter, however you want to put it. But I did some, some Google foo. 
Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just curious, what are the most popular verses out of Ephesians? Because it's quoted yes, quite a bit. Yes, it, it's got some big ones, yeah. Um, and there's lots of lists of that. I found six or seven quickly, different lists, how they ranked them, it depends. But uh, th- every list came up with this one, um, Ephesians 2.8. Uh, and that's that's my hallmark. Go- I didn't know you were going to say that, but that's my hallmark go-to verse <laughs> on salvation and how salvation works. Right. <laughs> God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So, yeah, that's, that's the, <laughs> the grace, if you will. So the next was, I mean, and it really depends on which list you looked at, which one was more popular or right. what, but Ephesians 3.20, so I've got them in order here through the book. Yeah. Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think, which is an uplifting thought. Yeah. It's a, it's a very encouraging benediction, and there are many, many churches that finish every worship service with that verse. Interesting. Okay. Next one is Ephesians 4.11. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, which is an interesting one, too. That came back from that list of, it wasn't that he was saying that's every gift that the Holy Spirit gives out, but those are the ones that, if they're abused, can damage the local church. That's why he had listed them at that time and why they were so critical. Right, because that's not usually what the list that we use for gifts of the right, Spirit. Right, right. Interesting. Okay, then Ephesians 5.22 and this is a controversial one, for sure. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, as do you to the Lord. It's a very popular verse, and it's been used incorrectly for a very long time. Has been, and and what we noted that night that we went through that is that that section actually begins with submit to each other. That's right. how it actually starts. <laughs> and this is his radical change on radical yeah. new vision of how marriage of should marriage, work. yeah. Changed the way the world views marriage. So it's a popular one, but maybe not for the right reasons, <laughs> if you will. And the last one I found was um, Ephesians 6.10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, which is just another good benediction kind of you know, be strong in the Lord yes. and go on, do, go do whatever, whatever it is you've got to do. So those are the ones I came up with. Like I said, the list were long, but I just picked the first few that. Yeah. Wrenched yeah. Those are some of the, yeah, we spent time on each one of those because those are key theological verses. They really are. And, and there's a lot of theology being shaped in this one little letter. It's not that long of a letter. No, only it, six chapters. Uh, you compare it to Romans or the Corinthians, it's, right. it's really small. And yet, man, has he packed in the theology. Definitely. Okay. So do we want to kind of give a brief overview of the Yeah, I thought themes. we'd just run yeah. through each of the chapters and just very quickly talk about some of the highlights of that chapter. What was the the final review of chapter one? Chapter one started on chapter one. Thanks, Captain Obvious. One of the things I found interesting is that Paul sets out right at the beginning that before well, Jesus is the author of creation. He is there at creation. And before creation even happens, before anything has, has been made, already salvation, the, the triune God is aware that salvation will be necessary. That if people have free will, sin will come into the world. We will not be able to live pure, perfect lives. And so a, a means of salvation is going to be required. God knew that 
before He ever made us, and yet He has let us go through this process to prove to us that we have free will and that we cannot save ourselves. Because there would always be somebody who'd have said, well, if I had the chance, I'd have lived a perfect life. Right? No, you would not. We have proven that. God yeah. let everybody try, and it didn't work, and so we need salvation. That That's the opening to chapter one, and that's a very—you could make a whole book just on, on that. And then the next thing that he brought in was highly, highly controversial for its day. God loves Gentiles right. too. That salvation is not just for the, the Jewish DNA. When in this whole letter is an incredibly radical letter. And when Paul says that just point blank without, without refer, implying it, when he just actually comes out and says those words, that was radical theology. Right. And so, yeah, that, that probably upset a few of the Jewish leaders. Yes. You know, it, it, eventually he started breaking all the Jewish rules and got himself killed, basically. But, yeah, that one is just probably, as we've said it a few times, a bridge too far <laughs> in this letter. That's, like that, that's, that's a bridge too far. At this time, <clears throat> Ephesus is the largest Christian church in the world in terms of membership, and, and they're one of the few that has their own building. Right. Those haven't really become popular yet. And among the original apostles and Jesus's brother James, who leads the Christian church in Jerusalem, there had always just been this understanding. Jerusalem will be the master church. Everybody else will take their instruction in the direction from Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And Paul recognizes, no, Ephesus is going to end up handing out a great deal of, of direction to all the rest of the Christian world. So we better make sure that the Gentiles in Ephesus know what they're talking about when they talk Jesus. Right. Because the, otherwise the Jews won't accept them. That's right. You know, they would be two sides and then we get a big church split like the Eastern and Western yes. <laughs> Christianity today. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else on the first chapter? That's the, you okay. know, we could spend hours <clears throat> oh, again yeah. like we did, but that's, <laughs> those are the highlights okay. of chapter one. Then chapter two, we kind of jump into what the title or the, I guess the title is made alive with Christ in this Bible. Uh -huh. What kind of other things do we learn in chapter two? Starts off with the fact that you are a sinner. Nobody can claim otherwise. There's not one walking human being who can say, not me. We are all sinners. And Paul goes into great detail to prove to us that that is just a fact. Right. And so if you are a sinner and you still want to go to heaven, there's got to be a way to get you saved. And so as you brought up chapter two, verse, verses eight and nine, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. Right. But it's the free gift of God. And that is the verse from which I get my I beat the dead horse. There he is beating that dead horse. Of salvation is a gift that God holds out to us. And you either take the gift or you don't. You do not save yourself. You are saved by the grace of God. But if you choose not to take the gift, then God did not send you to hell. That was your choice. Right. And so that's a, those are some big verses. Yeah, that's in, a big concept. People that want to go, well, your God is a mean God for sending people to hell. Chapter 2 of Ephesians says that's not true. Right. That's on you. And again, he, he pumps up unity within the church, primarily racial unity, Gentile and Jew. Very good. Okay. Then we moved into chapter 3. Yeah. And this is kind of where we talked about how 
Well, it's titled here, God's Mysterious Plan Revealed. This is where Paul kind of lets it be known that God had always intended for salvation to be available to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Yes. And we started talking about radical thoughts here about how he kind of went well beyond what everybody everybody expected, if you will. One of the big ideas he throws out in chapter 3 is the idea that if you are truly saved, there should be sanctification in your life. There should be this pursuit of holiness. You should get up every morning and try to be more like Jesus than you were yesterday. And Paul throws out there, if there is disunity in your life of, I won't accept the Gentiles or I won't accept the Jews— then I see no evidence of sanctification, and quite possibly you are not saved. Right. So if you're unwilling to embrace this radical theology, maybe you're not truly Christian. Ouch. That's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And then the end of it has to do with with deeper detail on entire sanctification, the pursuit of holiness. Right. Okay. Then we moved into, of course, chapter 4, and this one was entitled Unity in the Body. Yes. And so that's kind of talking about it within the church itself, yes. right? Okay. What kind of thoughts do we have there? Remember that this letter is intended to be cycled to as many churches as will receive it. Tychicus is charged with not just taking this to Ephesus, but after he's lectured the Ephesians and let them read the letter aloud in church and answered any questions they might have, he's supposed to stay on the road for as long as necessary to get this letter to as many churches as possible. So Paul is really adamant that unity within your local church is a big deal. If you've got a split in your church, that's not evidence of the Holy Spirit. Your church needs to get its act together and fix whatever is broken. You are a broken church if you have an ongoing displacement of, of your peoples. He asked, this is where he brings up the spiritual gifts, as right. you had mentioned. <clears throat> and the purpose of bringing them up is these are the ones, you know, pastors and teachers and, and apostles. These are the ones who, if they abuse their gift, can hurt the church and create disunity instead of healing it with unity. And so this one was kind of a a shot at all church leadership that if there's a problem in your church, that's on you, church leaders. Don't Pastors shouldn't say, well, you know, it's actually the people's church. They need to fix this. (laughs) No, 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 no. If you took the job, take the job. Get it fixed. Paul Paul is one of those guys. All right. And he makes it a a thing of when the church is unified, that's appealing to the lost sinner. And so if the goal really is to save the lost, then it's really critical for your church to display unity to a broken world. Right, because the world is broken still to this yes, day. Yes, yes. I don't see it fixing soon. I don't so, know. <laughs> the church needs to be that place where you can go to get away from that. Yes. So... Very good. All right. And then chapter five. In chapter four, he talked about using those gifts inappropriately will bring division into your church. In chapter five, he speaks then to the members and not the leadership, and he hits them pretty hard on sexual immorality because that will destroy a church faster than any other sin. So he really comes down hard on anything except Sex between a husband and a wife married to each other. Any 
any other form of sex is going to create division within the church and destroy its witness. So he, that's the beginning of chapter 5. And then the end of chapter 5, as we said, he shook the world to its core when he came up with men and women loving each other and serving each other as the basis for a strong marriage. Right. Yeah, I remember the radical thought that your wife's journey to salvation is just as important as yours. Yes. Which had to have been radical to men. You know men were just shaking their heads when they heard that. No, that's not how this works, right? So (laughs) it took... Probably took a few years, but that is the view of church today, that a married couple or a team is you and me against the world. You and me against the world. And then we moved into chapter six. Chapter six, he then gave us a radical definition of parenting, where if your children are are not thriving, dad, that's probably on you. Instead right. of just saying, well, I, I ended up with bad kids, it's the dad's fault because this was a society where the father was just short of, of being a god and no one ever blamed the father for anything. And Paul comes right out and throws the, the emotional and spiritual health of children in a family right in the father's face. That's mm. on you, dad. And then he gave us a new definition of slavery. He wasn't quite as radical in in slavery. If you, if you really want to see Paul's views on slavery, you have to go to the book of Philemon. It's written to a slave owner, and Paul is sending his runaway slave back to him. Right. And that's the letter in which we can see Paul really make a case for the abolition of slavery. In Ephesians, he doesn't go quite that far because he's in Rome, and he doesn't want to be accused of inciting rebellion in trying to get Christians and slaves to rise up against their Roman masters. He's He is afraid that'll destroy the church if he goes that far. So he, he makes some... Uh, He takes some shots at slavery. He doesn't go nearly as far as most of us would want him to go. Right. But he does elsewhere. Yes. So we know from the book of Philemon that he actually does believe that slavery is wrong. And then also in chapter 6, we kind of got into, well, there's the famous whole armor of God that we've all seen forever. Yes. It's how how to take what you've learned and be prepared to fight the battles that are always at your door, right? So it's a, you know a lot of a lot of the problems in our lives we bring on ourselves with poor choices, poor decisions. But Paul wants to remind us there is a spiritual war going on as well, and the forces of evil do not want you to get your act together in Christ. And so expect things to go against you when you're on the verge of taking a leap for Jesus. Right. Okay, and then we've summed it up tonight with, uh, I guess this is it, folks. Yeah, yeah. Be peaceful, be strong, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. (laughs) Love and faithfulness to all of you. (laughs) Okay. Anything else in the book of Ephesians? I have enjoyed uh, this one. Um, I really enjoyed uh, a year ago when we were in Peter. I like that one too, yeah. And and I've enjoyed this, I think, the second most, the time we've spent in Ephesians. It's, It's been a good learning for me. And as me as well, I said so early on, I, I, I've read the book before and I never saw it this way. So it was very eye-opening and, and enjoyed it very much. So yeah. good job. 
All right. So have you given a sermon title for this Sunday? Calling this one sent uh, for the church. I'm actually going to run through the list of the men who were the most important to Paul, uh, where they went and what they did. And then we'll close it with Tychicus. I want the, I want people to recognize he was a sent man as well, not just the mailman. The life and times of Tychicus. Huh? Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, so if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. At the top is a menu called Ministries. Click that, go down to Sermons, look for the sermon Sent. And this will be delivered on October 29th, 2023. So now the big question. What happens next? Where are we going next? The first Sunday of November in the liturgical church is All Saints mm-hmm. Sunday, where we take the time to uh, remember those who are dead in the flesh but alive in the spirit, who were instrumental in our own faith journey. And so our text will will have to do with that topic. I haven't selected the actual text yet, but it will deal with that topic. So I had a little problem. What's that? I told the doctor I broke my leg in two places. Oh. He told me to quit going to those places. <laughs> and with that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Listener reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There, you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky's sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.